Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborg and Life Live. Today we're going to be talking about spiritual experiences. That's what I'm talking about. I guess I'm talking about what we're talking about. My name is Curtis Childs and I'll be your host. That's one of my best intros ever. With me as always, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Hey Curtis, I did think that was good. I mean, just if you think about the wordplay. <laughs> yes, brilliant. Th thanks so much for hanging out with us and thanks to all of you. Today we're going to be, as I said, going through this most fascinating concept and work of Swedenborg's and everything in between. Mm. If you are enjoying this series and this show, please give us a like and a subscribe. That's really important to do your diligence there because that helps us and it helps us get into the YouTube. And we are going to be finishing our look through the nature Ooh, of everything. Yeah. Today. This this, this if, is the last one. If this is the first one, it totally stands alone. But I am saying we're wrapping up a mighty journey here. Yeah, and that's I, right. And I don't know if I'm ready for that emotionally mm. or verbally. So let's do uh, a little bit of warm-up here to get ourselves good. into the state of mind where we're going to be able to comprehend the things which are to follow. You're going to be doing it along with us. We'll see you there in a second. I'm hyped about this question. It's a great question. You know what the here. question is? So you, yes, I do. <laughs> okay, You're all gonna do answer this question along with us. So as it comes up, type it into the chat. At the end of the show, we'll put your stuff on screen and we'll read it. Or if you're watching after the show premiered, just type your answer because I want to know everybody's answer to this because I think it's one of the most. If you've been following Swedenborg for a while, it's one of the most interesting questions you could ask, which is the following: If Swedenborg could write one more book. What would you want it to be about? And the reason I was getting all giddy about that is because if you get deep into the answers and the explanations that Swedenborg gives, and you say, even though it's this strange, dusty, musty, 18th century stuff, wow, I'm finding stuff in here that is just weapons-grade information. I can't believe it. Where, where did this come from? Then, to sort of hit some limits where you're seeing your picture of reality built out and you're, you're seeing it augment what you know and you're seeing it kind of prove itself and things. But then you, there's, a, there's a gap there that you feel like, oh, I want to know more there. Or there's stuff, you questions you have about the material. Anyway, I'm, I don't need to give it this much of an introduction. What would be the book? If, and you've had your head in, deep in the, the text more right. than anyone, so... I, uh, the book that for a long time I've wished that he had written was a book on spiritual practice, like something more, Yeah. not that he doesn't cover that, not trying to knock what's already there, but uh, it would just be great to have gathered in one place, okay, here's a little bit about prayer, here's yeah. a little bit about, you know, he does talk about repentance, and uh, it's probably most practical about that. But what about meditation? He talks about meditation a lot, but he yeah. never tells you, here's what I mean by that. Here's how to do it, or here are some suggestions or something. Right. And maybe that would have limited things too much, but I have for a long time wanted to see some book. Just break it down for me. What should we be doing here? To-do to list, exercises, yeah. absolutely. Right, right, that, right. That, that he focuses so much on the, the structure of things and the Certain thought and the information, yeah, that's right. But tell me what to do and tell me how to progress from week to week. And I definitely find myself trying to cobble those together. That's right. Uh, so that's a great it's one. It's not that there's nothing in there, yeah. but you do have to do your own work to assemble it kind of thing. I feel like I would love for Swedenborg to, okay, become aware. Assuming he's got the same connection to what he had before. Look, look down at all of us, that are, or look sideways at all of us, that are currently trying to understand what the, the vision you were trying to communicate, right? Right. And it, I mean this channel, but I mean all other Swedenborgian pursuits from all kinds of organizations and independent people and the linking between the two, all that. What do we, are we most not getting right? Yeah. Like what are we most misinterpreting sort or... update. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like if, uh, or like if you watch this, the, you know, our show, what are we, you know, what are we missing or what are we, no, you don't get what I was saying there or, or what, based on how we're now interpreting, do you realize, oh, you have to have this or else everything you've got right. don't work. Or the emphasis is just, uh, you That's know what right. I mean? Like, yes, yeah, you're leaning on this a lot, but yeah. this is really what I meant. This, you're, 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 yeah, exactly. This, this is filling up about 45% of your airtime, but it shouldn't. It should really be this. Wouldn't that be yeah, the most? that would be really, really interesting. Yeah. And I'd love to hear his opinion on certain issues that are more prevalent now that weren't oh. just a thing then. Yes. You know, that would be really interesting. Be of course I want to, I just would <laughs> love to hear that because it's not that he 
Well, I'm not going to talk about current events. Back in his day, he was very, he was very yeah, specific right. about things right. that were happening in the day and about specific people in the day. So I want to hear that too. And would his books have hyperlinks in them now? Would they be digital? You know, like you they know. do have hyperlinks in them now. The New Century Edition, you can download That's them right. on Swedenborg.com. Links to the nice. other books. Okay. That's good. So, we're lo looking forward, really looking forward to hearing all your answers. I'm warmed up. Let's get in there. And uh, I was all talking about the importance of Swedenborg's insights. And today, we are really going to be looking at the raw material behind mm. everything. Couldn't be a cooler book or series of books to work our way through. Let's begin now. As I said before, this is the end of our series on the, the nature of everything, because that was sort of the task Swedenborg had set out to, to complete, and we've done it in the way that we got it from him. So you take each book and how he released it, and even looking at the, the vehicle by which he chose to deliver the information can give us insight about the information and how to apply and all that. Yeah, also serves right. as a guide for all of you if you want to dip in yourselves. Yeah. Um, so what I'm trying to say is it's important to understand the books. Yeah. So what That's right. That that was the original form yeah. in which the information was delivered. Yeah, yeah. man. It's, it's good, to, good to dip in there. And this book is, uh, dare I say, an outlier even within Swedenborg's world of outlying books. So what are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about spiritual experiences. I mean, yes, Swedenborg had spiritual experiences, but he also wrote down something that eventually scholars were able to piece together that he referred to as spiritual experiences. That's what he called it, only yeah. in Latin, of course. And what's different about this book than any of the other books that we've dealt with in this series for the last three months is that this was not, he did not publish this. And it wasn't even really uh, one sort of work. It wasn't like, I've got a beginning and a middle and an end, and there it is, there was the chapters. And no, it was a collection of his spiritual experiences over quite a long period of time. This is, this is Swedenborg's journal, essentially. This is his, and his field notes. This is his frontline information. That's right. Before he synthesized it to write a lot of the books that he, he wrote. I, I'm not trying to be insulting about anything in it, but sometimes before he scarcely understood what happened. You know, sometimes yeah. he's just sort of writing down, this just happened, I don't know what it was. And then a few pages later you say, oh, I think that was what's meant in the Bible by these people or something. And he kind of figures it out. With all that said, what's the headline for a work like this? What, if you had to come away with a, with a message from it, or, or, or if you had to condense it or boil it down, can you? I guess the thing that comes to mind is to say something like um, a glimpse at Swedenborg's intense journey. Yeah. That, that's one way of looking at it, sort of a behind-the-scenes yeah. glimpse. You do get a look at his progression, and it, another way you could frame it is, um, yeah, a, a whirlwind tour of the vast other side, or this. Yeah. Just you get, and we were we were noting that you look at the the headings on the different sections in here, and it can it they just vary so much. You can go from oh a, a thought from the angels about the nature of the existence of something to the evil spirits that tried to kill me all night to. Uh, this rainbow heaven to every the, uh, oh, on the nature this, of forms this, versus this friend of mine who turned out to be a rotter in the afterlife and yeah just, you know, just every because he names names in there and stuff yeah he gets personal sometimes it's kind of like our our channel here because we'll we'll jump topics so much he's right. doing that but just very, in very rapid succession boom 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 so what's in it. If you were to crack open this book, one thing you would not see is a table of contents because as we no, said, no, you wouldn't. He's not publishing this, so he didn't have anything like that. But in the translator's preface to this edition, you do get something interesting here. So what's, what's this? Ah, well that's Swedenborg's actual handwriting there in Latin. A little bit difficult to read, but, uh, and you see that it's got a paragraph with a paragraph number there, 3769, mm -hmm. and then there's a paragraph, and then 3770, and then a paragraph, and then it gets interrupted, and 3771 is way indented, almost half the page. Yeah. Those were called the indented paragraphs. I don't know how they came up with that name <laughs> for them. But uh, <laughs> as he was writing about, it, what he was actually doing in this manuscript was explaining uh, the books of the Old Testament. He was starting to work on that yes. and writing a draft about that. And he just thought, 
I'll just explain the Bible. Yeah. But then now and then an experience would happen to him and he realized this is really different. I'm not explaining the Bible. I'm yeah. explaining my own spiritual experience. And so he would indent it. And later when he went back, he would index those. Yeah. And at first he's almost apologetic about them. And then over time he decides, no, this is a whole book all its own right. called Spiritual Experiences. And he pulls all that material, indexes into, and, and puts it all together into this so he's much larger book. Basically, I've got to interrupt my usual programming for this spiritual experience that's happening yeah. to me, and I got to talk about it. And then, if you look even farther, he did something curious here, which is yeah. representative of he do that a lot. Crossing this out. baffled people a lot, and you see, it's crossed out, but thirty-seven forty-four there is not crossed out, and then thirty-seven forty-five is crossed out a number of times, and then thirty-seven forty-six, just the first couple of lines are crossed out, but not the rest, and then thirty-seven forty-seven down there is crossed out, but not thirty-seven forty-eight. What's going on? Scholars finally pieced together that these were passages that he copied into Secrets of Heaven, uh -huh. and that when he copied it, he would leave a little mark to himself in the book there to say, Got this one. Uh -huh. Don't you don't reuse it. Nothing to see here, people. Yeah. You know, like I already copied this one. And so, if you wanted to get the second half of that one there, you know, go for it. But but uh, this one I already got. There you go. So this is the raw material, as we're saying, through, that he populated the rest of his stuff with. And uh, that's right. So let's talk about why. Why was he doing this, and when was he doing it? How does this fit into the timeline that we've been building? Gosh, well, you look at our timeline, and there's a summary of all the other shows that we've done about this, yeah. where these different things fit in. The only other manuscript work that we did talk about was Apocalypse Explained or Revelation Explained. There. Sure. But uh, so he starts in 1749 with Secrets of Heaven, ends in 1771 with True Christianity there. Uh, so where does um, uh, spiritual experiences fit in with this? We've got another graphic to try to show it because it's so dramatic. It was over a 20-year period from yeah. 1745, way before the first published theological work, yeah. and well into the end. You know, stops just like seven years before he dies. Right. And uh, the first three or four volumes of spiritual experiences is all before Secrets of Heaven. So that early bit there on the graph would be crowded with with thoughts. There are three yes. volumes just there alone, and then it gets more sparse as you as you go forward. It's just amazing that he, this, is, you know, this is sort of the background. This is like between the experience and what we get to read in the books, there's this. Because this is him cataloging things, writing down, understanding yeah. them, and then moving them into final format. That's right. And there was really two stages to that. Because I think why he wrote this was to try to, like such crazy things were going on to him. Yeah. experience of, I thought I saw this, or it, actually this person could project their voice, or I don't know where I was, I'm, you know, I've got to organize this, I've got to think about this, wrap my head around it. And so he'd write down, almost every day, you know, sit down and write down what yeah. happened. And then he would go through, so you've got four volumes of these spiritual experiences. He indexed all that, and the index is so big that it's two volumes, two separate volumes, just right. of index, and uh, a friend of mine said uh, to me recently that he thinks that what was going on there was that when he was indexing, he was organizing all this, because as you say, the entries are kind of random. This comes here and then yeah. that, and you'll see certain themes, but you never know what's coming next. Right. But in the index, he's able to pull together all the passages about the Lord, all the passages about angels, about spirits, about right. the world of spirits. And it's almost like his understanding is, oh, slotting into place. So his index is sometimes clearer, the index entry is clearer and longer than the thing it's indexing. <laughs> and that's how you get such a huge index. So what, what kind of stuff is he writing? Let's actually take a look at a couple of entries here, play a little game we call first and last. Mm. How do you open and close a 20-year work? Are you a different yeah. person at the end from the start? So you've got the beginning there. Yeah. How does he start it, a whole thing off? Well, and again, this is he doesn't even think he's starting something when he writes this. That's right. You know, he doesn't even know. Yeah. It's not like when he sits down to write Divine Providence or right. the Doctrine of Life or something. This is how it starts. He's going along explaining stuff in Genesis 24. And all of a sudden he goes into an indented paragraph because he realizes, well, this is really different than the rest of what I'm writing. And he writes, and he actually puts it in parentheses. Yeah. <laughs> like he just mm -hmm. sort of, well, 
you know, I don't want this to be too loud in the yeah, text. Yeah, yeah. These things were written in the presence of saints who were confessing their iniquity. Now that's really, and first of all, the idea of saints would mean holy people. So the saint, so he, he just wants, he wants somehow it to be recorded that what he was writing about Genesis, there were these presences in the room with him. Spiritual Spiritual presences. presences, that's right. And then he says, I was told at the time that they were so completely in the heavens that they were in God's kingdom praising Jehovah God together. And then he closes the parentheses and he yeah. adds one more tagline, whether these words should be inserted will be seen later. He's not even sure. Yeah. Like, is this part of the yeah. I, I was just trying to explain Genesis. I wasn't planning to talk about my own spiritual experience, but right. like they showed up. I just got to say something about it. Isn't and that sort of apologetic beginning led to this massive thing, you know, yeah. thousands of pages long. Wasn't well, that how you, when you're writing something, you, you have an idea for a line, and I all, when I'm writing my own little thing, I'll say, well, make this better, or sh should this be in, and, or and that's take right. this out. Note to yeah. self. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So uh, fast forward to 20 years. And we actually are going to read the very last number because it actually ends, the book ends abruptly with a big index to a work on marriage that's not the one he published. It was going to be a different one. Yeah. So we're not doing that or the one just before because it's a little long. But this is the third to last. We'll give you the third to last here. Is that good enough? This that, is that, number... That, that works for me. We've gone from number one to number 6,108. Wow. And it's entitled, About the Two Prophets in Revelation 11. Okay, so there were two witnesses in Revelation 11, yeah. and they go through, if I remember correctly, and they go through the experience of seeming to be dead, and they lie in the streets yeah. of the holy city for three and a half days, and then they're resurrected more powerful than ever. You know, yeah. people are rejoicing when they're dead, and then when they rise up. So he says, this is about those two witnesses in Revelation 11, okay? So here's what he went through. A remarkable change took place in the spiritual world. Those both above and at the side and below me, the spirits, the greater part of whom have faith alone, were gathered together and given the opportunity to flow into my cerebrum. Weird. As a result, so we've got spirits flowing and into And amazing us. that after 61,000, you know, yeah. paragraphs, things are still changing in the spirit. That's right, world. that's right. And so we've got spirits flowing into a certain part of Swedenborg's brain. As a result, I became such that I could not lift my head. And this went on for three and a half days. Oh, and just to, like the two witnesses. And to those who were in the city they called Jerusalem, I seemed as if I were dead in the street. So he seemed like he was one of the two yeah. witnesses. And he never visited Jerusalem physically no, in his life. No, he's so not this talking about the physical Jerusalem. This a city that people were calling Jerusalem the spiritual in the spiritual world. They looked in and cheered. These people, yeah, Swedenborg is dead. But afterwards, this city and all those who were of this belief and faith alone were separated and sent into their own places. So Yeah, and he doesn't say anything about rising up himself, but he does include that story in Revelation Unveiled, which is also called Apocalypse Revealed. Yeah. Number 531, he, he talks about that. Um, so that's very interesting to me that he wrote that in his diary, you know, that right while he was explaining Revelation 11, he had a Revelation 11 experience. Yeah. And to me that ties both ends together in a sense, because I think what's going on in this work is that he's trying to understand the Bible, but the Bible's telling him about his spiritual experiences, and his spiritual experiences are telling him more about the Bible. Yeah. And you kind of see that from both ends here, don't you? Well, let's see a little bit more. Let's go deeper into right. what, what do you actually find when you get uh, into the, the weeds here, as they say. So we're gonna go to our section, Three Bites. How do you pick representative samples of a, a four-volume work 6, written over 20 years? <laughs> yeah. But we did try to touch on some of the major themes yeah. of his experiences. And the first one that comes up very powerfully across the, the sets of volumes is the negative influence of evil spirits on him and on us all, and how mm. he saw this as being just a key part of Experience, the experiences we go through. Yeah, and you see it in the published theological works 
but you see it more in, in this unpublished you, material. You really get insider information here. And, and the specifics yeah. of, okay, when they go left, you go right, just amazing detail. So this is yeah. from Spiritual Experiences 264, so mm. near the beginning of the work. There are also spirits who never stop intending harm to truths and goodness and seek to distort them in ways that are so undetectable to us that if we were told, we would hardly believe it. Ooh, very sneaky spirits. I'm trying to destroy what's good and true in you mm. or wherever, but flying under the radar. This has surprised me at times when I notice truths and goodness being compromised in this way by spirits. Mm. But these spirits conceal themselves more than others and are more invisible, so that I was on the verge of believing they were impossible to find. Impossible to find. And this is after already he's able to see spirits in the first place. He still can't see these ones. And he's having enough spiritual experience that he goes, I don't think they'll ever find them. Yeah. They're invisible. S still, they were found. Oh, so he was wrong. And like, some of them were mm. punished and cast out with a punishment that matched their criminal attempts. 1747, the 23rd day of November. He, <laughs> That's he, he cool. dates them. You see, like this, yeah. is, this is a happen at a time in the world. So, yeah. That's a, right. a little He's bit in of this learning experience. And what you get in there when you start to dig into the, the really detailed, raw spiritual experiences is you get insight, oh, that, that goodness and truth are something that can be attacked and that there could be spirits that are working on that. Yeah. that you just, it opens up ways of thinking about things that you never had before. Right. And he's going through that while you see him writing about it. Right. You know, like he's learning. You're right there in the front of the, front of the train, you know. Yeah. Okay. And he also talks in very positive ways as well about our potential conscious con connection with heaven and how connected heaven is to itself kind of thing. And, you know. So let's look at uh, Spiritual Experiences 722. We are capable of living in both lives at once. That's capitalized because it's the heading. Yeah. These things will have these little headings, and then you have a little riff on that, right. and you get another heading. And so, both and this lives is about the, being the spiritual and natural right? of the human race. The human race was created by the Lord with the capability. So, this is important because Swedenborg's not saying, "I am special." You know, yeah. he's saying. Every, this is built into everybody. We get that question, can we do what Swedenborg did? Yeah, and He's he says, well, here's the answer. The yeah. human race was created by the Lord with the capability of being simultaneously present in the world and in heaven. Our outer self in the world, this is how it's designed to work, and our inner self in heaven. And therefore being able to speak with spirits and angels as well as with our fellow human beings. You know, no difference. You, you talk to an angel, you talk to a person. So this is actually a bizarre situation that we live in where we just have to hear well look this on this youtube show they they're quoting this guy that they think really did see spirits so yeah. maybe there are spirits but that's and a I've weird never seen one but yeah. you got to sort of take the word for it or that this is not how it's supposed to be no we were designed this way so that heaven would be united with the world that's the project you know unite yeah. heaven with the world and the world with heaven so it would go both ways by the mercy of the lord and now he talks about himself this has actually happened with me. So he's not saying, I'm experiencing something that's just unheard of. Mm. He's saying, I'm just experiencing the way it was created to be. You're like, this is just a capacity every, everybody has. <laughs> like, I'm actually normal. Yes, this is normal. What I'm going through is normal. To such an extent, and this is an interesting little detail he brings out here, that when I would interact with people on Earth, see, Swedenborg must have thought, do I look different? Do I seem different to you? Yeah. You know, because he's having all this stuff going on. He's hearing stuff. And do I seem different? And he says, when I would interact with people on earth, I was not at all different from my former self. And no one could tell the difference between someone, me and someone who lacked this ability. Undetectable. Like, yeah. do I seem different to you? What are you talking about? He no, would, didn't not even seem bit. like spacey Nothing. or out of it. Yeah. So he's in a totally different consciousness. And other people saying, you seem the same to me, dude, yeah. you know? But when I was with spirits, I was then in some ways separated from my body and yet at the same time also still joined to it. He's sort of wrestling to find language to wrap around this. Because my spiritual self was with spirits. In fact, so much so that when I wanted to write something like, quote unquote, the other life, because here he is on earth, wanting to write about heaven. The so he wants to just world, say yeah. the other life, which is what he often uses for talking about the afterlife yeah. or the spiritual world. I could hardly tell that it was the other life. He's so there yeah. that it doesn't seem distant to him at all. Look at this at the end. The life after death. And the spirits wanted me to write 
in this life because I was with them. Yeah. He was in the afterlife. So it's actually hard to write in the other life as if I'm not there yeah. already. Because you know? they're like, why are you hanging on to this earth thing? So we're here. This is Come this on, life. Man. This is not the other life. Yeah. What are you talking about? They, they don't get the nature of the project. Uh, so, so fascinating insight there. And you, yeah. d you see, yeah, that, that not, he's describing the conditions under which he would write the books that we end up reading. And then we want to go a little farther because we want to look at this potential of heaven and that in the Journal of Spiritual Experiences, you will find a unique idea in Swedenborg on every page. It's so packed with stuff yeah, that never gets true. repeated. This, this stuff that doesn't even, I, I think the point we're about to read, I'm not sure is repeated in the published works. I think it's just a little gem yeah. that and, you get in there. And you know? I don't know if before we pulled this out, uh, you, as you were saying, spiritual experiences is really forgettable, meaning you can learn amazing things, but there's so much of it you just forget that you read it and then you reread it. Your mind boggles. I don't remember ever having known this concept uh, before we read this. So this is SE 46070. I spoke with those who are in the third heaven. And I was granted to understand them, at least in part, because there was an angel with me at the time. So he had like a translator or something. Yeah, an intermediary. Yeah, a translator. In that heaven, all the... In that heaven... Okay, sit down, everyone, when you're hearing this. All the angels are acquainted with each other. So in the third heaven. They all know where everyone is from and what they are like. So that's probably because there's only six people in that heaven. In right? that universal he heaven, then, even though there are hundreds of millions of angels there... Oh. Okay. Still, they are all known by every individual there. They know from their perception what people are like and what their particular form of goodness, wisdom, and intelligence is. And if they care to, they know what province in the human body that corresponds to. They appeared to me in a flaming and very great brightness. They looked like infants, hmm. these really social babies. They were high up in the area toward the front. There was a kind of cloud that opened and they appeared. Uh -oh. So in the third heaven, essentially everybody's famous, but nobody's famous. It's nobody can say, oh, who are you? Where are you from? They're, oh, they're like, Jonathan, hey, we know oh, all yeah. about you. And I, I, oh, I haven't been out to the West, so I don't know what that's like. Yeah. No, they know, they know the whole thing. They know everybody. Yeah. Not only by name, but by their quality, by if they want to, by yeah. what part of the body they correspond to, the whole thing. The, and would you That's just an astonishing idea. You know, what do we, what do we know? Like, like really social people might have like 5,000 acquaintances or something, yeah. not hundreds of millions. What is that like yeah. to know and love hundreds of millions of an other interesting, people? Interesting um, flattening of social hierarchy. That it's not, there's not popular people because everybody's really popular, you know? <laughs> so, right. Anyway, fascinating. It's this very hip. Little nuggets. That's the kind of little nugget. Just. That, that you just get that, and then you turn the page, and you're onto something else, but it's so cool. But just take some time to ponder what life like that would be like and how that changes the way we feel about how life is here. Yeah, you can just meditate on that forever. And, and then there's another one in the next paragraph. There's another one in the next paragraph. The capacity of the heart to love and be able to identify hundreds of millions of people, like to, you know, to actually yeah. know and be able to tell them apart and know exactly who they are. Yeah. You know, like that's remarkable. So who that's knew the human heart was capable of that? Who knew? The people who read spiritual experiences. So that's right. You can get in there yourself, find all kinds of stuff. Some of it is uplifting in that. Some of it is disturbing and some offensive it's and gross. Or yeah. yeah. So right. it's, it's definitely a, a wild ride. But there's a lot of. I, I just find myself picking really cool things out of it. So that said, we, hopefully we didn't already answer this question. But how how can it help? Why why continue to publish this thing that Swedenborg never even officially published? What's this do? I, to me, it's a, as long as you understand the nature of the material and how Swedenborg was sort of learning as he went, uh, you know, some people sort of take it because it's published in a book now as if, oh, the, you know, thus spake Swedenborg and, you know, so we know exactly what's what in it. Well, yeah. that's not the nature of it. He's working things out. He's writing madly. He most of the time forgets verbs and half the time doesn't have nouns in there and stuff. Uh, but... It shows you several things. One is that you see his process, as we've been talking about. You see him learning, casting off his old ideas, getting new ideas, oh, seeing things, discovering things. Uh, it's amazing to, to watch. Uh, there were some people 
in Swedenborg's day who thought that he just made it all up. He just sat down and just made up the books. Yeah. But it would be kind of extreme to write like 6,000 paragraphs of the backstory. Yeah. You know, it kind of makes it more legit. Yeah. And also, for just if you're interested in spiritual things, it's just a wealth of detail and fascinating stuff that, that sort of enhances what you get from the published theological works. I think that most often when people have had their own spiritual experiences of kinds, they will resonate with the spiritual experiences recording because he gives such particular detail there. Yes. That they're able to pick out. They, they, oh, I yeah, had that this, was blue. Or, yeah, right. they were wearing brown. Like I had this, this puzzling thing happen to me, but this, oh, he gives it context. So there's, there's a use in it there. But anyone who's dealing with a mind, and if you take Swedenborg's view of the spiritual world and take him at his word that it influences the way you think and feel, and you start to look for the crazy stuff he describes there it, in a very subtle way in your own thinking patterns and things, to me, you, you've, that's worth gold. It's worth yeah. its weight in gold there. So that's cool. Um, and so, we're, so that's it. We got to the end of our tour through all of the books of Swedenborg. That's great. Great job, everyone. I know some of you at home are furiously mad right now because you're saying, what about? There's, there's five books you didn't cover. What about the short works of 1758? I know. <laughs> Man, the 1758 fans are, are, are so brutal. Um, but that's because, <laughs> uh, you know, it was the right number of episodes. But also, we did cover all of those. We had a show about all of them called How, Check that out. How God Reaches Us is our annual meeting this, this show. This will soothe, might soothe. It, yeah, yeah. Where we go into the nature of each one of those books, and, and hopefully we can placate that crowd. It's been fun going on the journey, and I want to hear... How do you like this part of it? How do you like the whole thing? Let's get into some yeah. live Q&A right now. So what's on your mind? What, what questions do you have as we surf through the nature of everything, as we looked into Swedenborg's spiritual experiences? What does that bring up for you? I'd love to know. Let's see what's happening in the chat right now. Shelley Evans asks, did Swedenborg ever question his own sanity when the spirit world started opening up to him? Mm. Hello, what is going on? I used to be a smart scientist and now I can't stop seeing spirits and angels. Have I lost it? And since we have, not only in his Journal of Spiritual Experiences that we just talked about, but also his Journal of Dreams, Journal which preceded dreams. that, do we ever have Swedenborg questioning mm. his sanity? I mean, he must have. Does he ever record it? He, uh, that's a very good question, and, and um, he certainly questioned at first when he started having these experiences whether he was experiencing what he thought he was experiencing, and was this legit? Was it for real? He also, because of the biblical background and the Christianity that he'd grown up with, was very familiar with the idea that spirits could deceive you. So I think he thought he was having experiences, but maybe he was being deceived. Yeah. You know, when he thought he saw Jesus, like maybe it wasn't, you know, maybe it was an evil spirit or it was fooling him. Or, and so he's, I, I don't know. And he did feel uh, very much like he's a sinner and he's weeping and, yeah. you know, he doesn't deserve it. And, and so he goes through huge I, I would say he, he must have questioned his sanity at certain moments because he even talks about, we did a show about this, didn't we, where his thoughts split up and were fighting with each other. You know, his yeah. thoughts were actually fighting with each other, which yeah. is kind of a little nutty, you know. I, I wonder. And, uh, and so yeah. I think it was a wild ride. Yeah, I, I think he really did wonder. And you see him pretty quickly sort of, no, it, it must be the Lord. You know, like, like no, this is legit, you know, kind of thing. But, but it, it doesn't sort of instantly, oh, yes, of course, you're Jesus. Nice to meet you, you know. And it seems like the climate of the world that he was in, nowadays it's much more, if you believe in a spiritual something or you have any kind of experience, you're crazy. Whereas back then it was still like a theocratic state, like the church was much more powerful and influential, influential in the culture. It was more like, well, everybody knows there's some kind of afterlife, even though it wasn't right. totally that. But there's less, you know. Oh, and they even believed there was a there was a spirit down in the copper mine who would tell people, you know, not yes. to work on Sundays and don't curse, and you know, so it was sort of part of the folklore yeah. uh, that there were spirits, and so mo more than today. So it more seemed like he was trying to prove that he had legit experiences. But I believe, unless I'm mistaken, 
There was one time he was traveling on a boat and the spiritual experiences halted for a while. Yes, that's right. And he wrote that, yeah. that what, when they stopped, and this was, he had been having them for like a year, but when they stopped, he said, I could tell that if they hadn't started up again, I might have just dismissed it all as a bunch of fancy. That's right. Exactly right. So that would, be, uh, that would be sort of a questioning his sanity. Oh, I've just, something's up with me. That's why that happened. Y yeah, right. He could have just gone back. Okay, back to normal. Don't know what that was. That was a joke. Weird, you know, but get on with life. Great yeah. question. Let's take the next one. Heather Fox asks, does Swedenborg say anything about whether evil spirits can cause physical signs? I got an obvious sign of something awful that I was already afraid of and can't do anything about. Is it from God? And this obvious sign, interesting. So something, something that meant something to Heather Fox, like, you know, uh, this, I'm, I'm concerned about this thing happening. Oh, I saw this configuration in the world. I don't know what it could be. So, you know, something, some kind of bird landed on something. You know, is it, can you get signs mm. like that? And can, can hell send you those? Can God, who, who controls whether there's a, a sign and that sort of thing? A thought, it's a hard question to answer, but a thought that comes to me is that if it's generally speaking, if something comes from God or heaven, it's usually about something you can do something about. Like generally, you know, in the Old Testament or what, you know, when there's warning, oh, Nineveh, you know, the yeah. prophet comes and says, you have turn around your evil ways and then, uh, or this city will be destroyed. And then they turn around their ways and the city isn't destroyed. And the prophet's actually kind of depressed because like, oh, I was hoping to see the fire show when, yeah. when, it, was when, when it was destroyed. But um, so the, those, those signs will have a purpose. They're trying to help you change, not be something that you absolutely can't change and you just have to watch in horror as it unfolds or something. So that feels a little darker to me. I, I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, when, when I look at the influence of what I would call hell in people's minds, like I think back to, uh, you know, on my own, when I was really obsessive compulsive, um, what that is trying to do is get you to read into things. Like this, yes. because this, does, this door right. didn't close right, your family's in danger, you know? Yeah. Or because you didn't properly cleanse something, there's danger ahead. And I, I can't count, even now, still, when I, when I have to travel somewhere or something, I'll get this little like, well, you're gonna die on this trip. And it never happens. Right. So I, um, I just say that, and, and there's been times when, when I felt like, oh, does this, is this thing <clears throat> mean something? But it doesn't. I guess what I'm saying is I have no idea for, for Heather Fox in particular, what, what you saw, right. what it means. I do know that it seems to me like what I would identify as hell is always trying to convince me that things mean something that they don't really mean. Yes, and, and I, in, in my experience, of the evil spirits would give a, um, they always want to give a sign. They want to be as powerful and impactful as they possibly can be. Yeah. So they want to give a sign. But as I watch life unfold, I realize often they're very ignorant. They don't know what's about to happen. Yeah. They don't know, or they put a negative spin on everything. You know, I, w one sort of humble example is that when I was um, going to take my PhD exams, you have to work on these exams for an entire year. Yeah. It's just so nerve-wracking, I don't know. You know, so I'm studying for these exams and everything. And every time I thought about that exam, I realized evil spirits are just giving me a picture of me sitting playing the exam, and there's this just horrible discordant music. Yeah. And I realized after a while, you got no content. Like there's no yeah. content in it. There's just, and actually I passed my exams. You know, it was fine. Yeah. You know, they didn't know what the future was going to be like. They're preying on the fact that I'm nervous about it, you know, but they didn't yeah. actually know. And so they wanted to seem like, oh, this is a foretelling of like, oh, it's going to be so bad when you yeah. go in for that test. Um, but it actually wasn't. It was... You know, it was fine. Well, I'm pretty sure on your lower third it said Dr. Jonathan Rose. So I think it did. He yeah, must have passed right. those or something. Yeah, I must have passed. Yeah, that's I mean, true. I must have passed. It's tough, and I, I, I'm like wary to prescribe anything for, for somebody's that's right life. But uh, it just does seem to me that the, the, everything that Swedenborg indicates is that we're not told the future. 
because that would take away our freedom. Right, and you can't even see providence in the face. It yeah. says you see it in retrospect and that kind of yeah. thing. So if there's something very clear along those lines, it, it makes me kind of doubt it. And I would say yeah. pray on that. Yeah. You know, like, like just hold that in, in prayer. Because um, I have definitely been in the position where I'm being given the message that God is telling you something soul crushing and it's just let just telling you it you know but right but i don't think god does that <laughs> right like that doesn't right that's not how it works uh and the truth oh. the truth even about anything the truth sets you free so i don't know i don't know. yeah and freedom is very big to the lord that yeah. that's i i know that I, I don't know anything else but okay before we take our our uh, our final Oh. Or maybe, maybe we'll do two more or something like that. But okay. um, uh, all of you who, great questions you're getting in, I want to add a task here. Start getting our elevator pitch topics in there. If you're not so familiar, what's an elevator? it would just be what's a little uh, description of something in Swedenborg okay. that you want us to explain on the fly in a minute <laughs> or less. Okay. Uh, so just pick a little... Like literally 60 seconds. A subsection of, hey, I want to know about correspondences or something like that okay. and uh, watch us squirm. Okay, yeah, let's take good. the next question. M. Tarquini asks, or M. Tarquini asks, I'd like to know about the symbolism of trees. Mm. Well, let me tell you a story. Back when this channel was first made in <laughs> 2011, a very first video. In, in your early youth. In, very, in my early youth. I reached out of my crib, and the very first video on this channel was called, How Do You Know God's Not in a Tree? That's true. <laughs> and the reason I made that video is because I just had researched, uh, I started looking at YouTube as a potential medium for spreading Swedenborg ideas, and I noticed there was a huge amount of energy around arguing about the existence of God. And I thought, wow, okay, I'll use that as kind of a springboard into trying to get, get Swedenborg's ideas some attention on YouTube. Um, and in that video, you know, we made the point that uh, by the end of it, spoiler alert, that the tree is uh, an image of a human mind, human development, you know, uh, that, that this is just like you could see a symbol in a dream. The stuff around you is giving you the, the details of how life works and that a tree and all it is can be a symbol for, you know, use, uh, you know, so your development into knowledge and then wisdom and then finally into use in the fruit. So there's definitely, that's one symbolism he gives. Yeah, I think that's the main one. And uh, there was a saying around in his day that um, faith leads to good works as a tree bears fruit. And Swedenborg says the problem with your analogy is faith does not correspond to a tree like those are not the same thing yeah you're the tree if trees are people and you can see this in the bible you remember that healing where the person was born blind yeah and then the lord puts the, the mud on his eyes and then when he first opens his eyes he sees people as trees walking it's a little clue as to the inner meaning i think and yeah. then the next time he, he washes oh then they sort of turn into people and the thing that's tree-like about us is that we start with just this little understanding, a few little leaves, and then you start to grow some sort of a core, and you, you get stronger, and the roots are going down, and the branches are going up, and then you bear fruit, as you were just talking about. But a difference between us and a tree is that Swedenborg says that we're like trees, that then the fruit falls down and grows into a number of trees, and that grows into a whole grove, and a number yeah. of groves and forests of forests without end. So the di difference is just that we, you know, we're like a bunch of bunch of trees, but we develop yeah. just the way a tree does. Yep. And so there's there's that side of it. There's also the um, we did a news from heaven episode not so long ago about the passage where Swedenborg is describing what the tree of life means versus mm. the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life being a person who acknowledges that good and truth are coming from God, whereas the tree of knowledge of good and evil is us believing the appearance or the illusion that we are autonomous, mm. uh, self-running beings that are kind of the center of of life and you think about if we're the tree you think about what leaves do for a tree they're the ones who allow photosynthesis they sit out there and can catch the sun which of course the sun is a symbol for god so the truth in your mind these ideas in your mind is not that they're actually showing you god but they're creating you learn little spiritual factoids they create a spot where the actual picture can come in and hit you 
and then feed you, and you get the leaves of the tree are the, for the healing of the nations. The, there's right. ideas that can heal because they, uh, without that photosynthesis happening in that tree, you're not going to be able to make any fruit. You're not going to be able to do and anything. He, and he points out that the leaves are the lungs of the tree. You know, so that's kind of cool, that, yeah. the, the correspondence that that does the breathing, and, yeah. and it, does, it does breathe for the tree. I love nature correspondences. Go sit out there, and with just a general idea mm. of this tree is symbolizing something spiritual, see what comes to you, because you're going to get something cooler than, than we just said. The beauty and the strength of how a tree develops over time, and you see yeah. these old trees, and, and they're, or they're hanging on, you know, they're very old trees, and they're hanging on to life. Uh, most of it's dead, but just one branch is still, you know, going strong. Are you talking about me? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's more myself. Let's, uh, let's do one more here. We'll do one okay. more at the very end. Deborah Rule asks, what should we read to learn all about the correspondences? Hey, that would be a book that Swedenborg could there's, write. There's the book, yeah, that's just right. Just lay out, just go through um, all kinds of correspondences and sequence, fill us in on ones you didn't before, because it depends on, I'll, I'll just give a quick start. Uh, yeah. w which correspondences do you mean? If you're talking about the correspondences in the text of the Bible, read Secrets of Heaven or Apocalypse Revealed or Apocalypse Explained. That's right. Uh, what, else, what else can we read? Um, uh, actually, this, the accounts of Swedenborg's spiritual experiences that he has scattered throughout his works, and there's a lot in Heaven and Hell. Heaven and Hell has a whole nice chapter on correspondence. Oh, that's right. That, that's pretty sweet. And there's also stuff at the ends of the chapters in Secrets of Heaven, where he goes into the correspondences of various diseases and the parts of the body and, you know, st stuff like that. Yeah. So, it, again, it's, it's in there but it's not sort of pulled together into one volume on correspondence. That, that's, yeah. that's a pretty cool and idea. It's, it's not even that user-friendly. I'd love, I'd love another book about correspondences yeah. that, that say, okay, here's how you can look for correspondences in places other than the Bible, and, and how there's so much more. I, I feel like I can start to get an intuitive sense of what, how you see correspondences in nature, right. but I'd love for him to touch more on that. Yeah. And, and sort of, you're walking through the woods, how do you do it? Right. Okay. That's right. That's great. Okay. Great Thanks everybody so much. Get your elevator pitch ideas in there if we haven't already got to, and we're going to get to them right now. That's right. It's time to see if uh, we've really got what it takes to hack it in the to, to ride in an elevator. Ultra competitive world of Swedenborg explanation. <laughs> So the game is played like this. Uh, we are both pretending we stepped onto an elevator and have to, and are asked and meet someone who wants to know something about Swedenborg, and we have to make a very quick elevator pitch. Because it may well be that you come into a situation sometime where somebody asks you something Swedenborgian, you want to be able to explain it. But also, if this is true, if this stuff is true and good, you should be able to explain it succinctly. Yeah, theoretically, yeah. So what we're going to do is, we'll, we, we, topics we haven't seen yet from you, we'll each have a minute to not yeah. just explain what they are, but why it matters to this other person. So to, de unseen. to decide and who goes first, we're going to flip a coin. We decide that uh, whoever wins the toss goes first. That's right. right? Okay, so you call it in the okay, air. Okay, I'll call it. Okay. Tails? <laughs> Heads. Okay, you go first. That means I'm first. Okay, All right. so let's see what my topic is. What do you mean, last judgment? Okay, ready. Well, I don't mean, I mean the last judgment that's happened recently. There's been a lot of last judgments. Oh. And there's actually different layers of last judgments. Every time that a project, God has these divine projects to reach the human race that we call churches. These are spiritual epochs in the way that we think and feel mm. and the way that we connect to God in heaven. Over time, though, those start to lose altitude. They become corrupt. They actually start to reverse what was leading people, and you see this in religions, what was leading people to mm. goodness and truth and heaven and love actually starts to pull them away from it. It becomes a spiral, and then that has to get all taken out. The judgment mm. is just a, we're going to expose what's going on, we're going to move everyone where they need to be. That happened successively in churches. The most recent one was in 1757, but also you're going to have one, I'm going to have one. At the end of our life, we're going to get sorted out in our own little way, just like the churches in the world do. And it's good because it's going to free us, hopefully, of everything that's been dragging us down. <laughs> do you want to sign up for the last judgment? <laughs> I do. Okay. I do. I'm ready now. 
Any that further was thoughts awesome. about it? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that was really, really good. And the thought that I had uh, while you were explaining that was that it is so great that the Lord has the power to, you know, like things get to be a mess in, in, in the human realm. And it's so great that there's a mechanism. Yeah, I know it's going to be a mess, and here's how we deal with it. You know, in the last judgment, yep. so, and we fear that, and we think, oh, no, and, you know, but it's actually, no, that's great. Sort it all out. Figure out what's really true, yeah. what isn't, and, you know, get it straight. Spring cleaning is the last judgment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When we decide, we finally decide, okay, I've got to fold this laundry. It's gotten tall enough that it's got to happen. That's the last judgment. And every time I go through, I can't help, I can't help it. I just, I think about the last judgment, you know, when you're, when you're blowing leaves in the driveway or when you're, you know, just sorting through stuff and throwing things out or whatever, you know, it, it's, it sort of gets into your consciousness. That's right. It is a universal process. Okay. Thanks so much. Let's, mm. uh, now let's see, it's your turn. Okay. Let's see what uh, our next topic is. All right. Explain the fall of man. <laughs> why, you know, why did Providence pick you to explain the fall of man. <laughs> okay, so I can't understand. I've just stepped onto an elevator and I say to Dr. Jonathan Rose, "Hey, uh, aren't you the Swedenborg guy? What's this whole fall of man mm. thing?" And he's going to have 60 seconds. So let's count it down. Okay, you probably know that idea that there was a fall, there was a lapse back at the beginning of time and all that stuff. There used to be a golden age. It's not just the Bible, but many different traditions talk about a golden age when things were really good. It was easy to work with the, the land and people were at peace and there was no fighting and no, you didn't need governments and stuff like that. And then the human race fell. So how could that be? Did God design the human race in such a way that we were just gonna crash and burn after a while? It couldn't last that long. No, that was a human choice. And it's kind of interesting the way Swedenborg describes it, that it was a choice where, first of all, they were like, thank you, God, it's so beautiful. All this stuff is raining in, and I just want a room of my own, you know? And the only room that was left for us is like the bad room. <laughs> you know, the fall was a result of people wanting their own lives, but it's not irreversible we can get back to that state of loving God and doing it even wi more wisely than before. <laughs> I couldn't even tell the end was going up there. That's great. That's great. So, yeah, that th you have this, um, this event, which is the Swedenborg's description of it is quite different than yeah. traditional Christianity, which would talk about the fall of Adam is the, the they ate the apple. And and they, yeah, they ate the, they really blew it with that fruit. Yeah episode. But and, you're talking yeah. about it's more like this is us getting what we want in that only way. And, yeah. and, but it's something that you can climb back up from. And, and it's just interesting to think about um, the, that it's not that one, we're all punished for somebody else's actions back in the day. It's just that we have this heredity that kind of cascades. Right. But each one of us can reverse that fall. That's right. And if you lived, if you could afford a place on the 88th floor, yeah. I could have explained to you as well <laughs> that we're going to, uh, uh, Swedenborg hints that the whole human race is going to kind of go, go back to a better, yeah. better state in time. It takes a, 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 a million individual, you know, a countless individual yeah. transformations. But yes, the whole, yeah. the whole thing can go in a good direction too. Well, no, I can't do the 88th floor. I'm actually just going to the 21st to clean out my office because I was fired, but thank you. <laughs> uh, that was, sorry that was great. That. No, I, I love, I'll love ride down with you. That. Maybe I can talk to you on the way down. Well, I'm going to need some kind of support here. So <laughs> there you go. That's what it's like for us when we get into elevators. That's right. And, and hopefully for you, uh, that was entertaining. We really appreciate those concepts. Now we get to hear from you because we, oh, we get great. to hear what, what was your response? What book do you want to see from Swedenborg? So let's do our ice melter. If you remember, way back at the beginning, we had a question that was this one. If Swedenborg could write one more book, what would you want it to be about? If you're watching this after the fact, write it down. We'd love to hear from you in the comments. For everyone who wrote down in between now and then, let's see what you had to say. I would want his writing about the different world religions. Like it's sort of modern different world nice. religions. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Correspondences of Balaam and his donkey. Interesting. What did yeah, that yeah, mean? Yeah. That's a good story. Yeah. The day-to-day, -day, if they have days, life in the afterlife. Like a little mm, more detail That's really there. good. Yep. 
what he knows now compared to what he experiences 250 years ago. How that would be cool to tap into that. What has changed, what hasn't Growing changed. Growing in wisdom, and yeah. How to get spiritually advanced in heaven. Nice. Human life in the universe. Go mm. out there, do more. That's right. How Jesus did the miracles he did. And if people can still heal with energy now. I'd love to know more about that. More about the relationships in the next life. Mm. About the current discussion on social justice and the afterlife. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's an interesting one. If he hasn't already, a book about finding God's purpose for one's life and how to live into it if you feel you're off track. Yes, yep, That's absolutely. Good. More internal sense, the New Testament prophets. Yeah, there you go. I know it doesn't sound exciting, but it would be great to have more. That's right. Yeah, what, what is, uh, what is this, the, the guy who sees people like trees walking? That's yeah. Right. A book now to tell us what's happening in heaven now. That's right, the update. That's it's good. true, because even sometimes on this show we say, well, in, in heaven they have stuff that sounds old school now. So what yeah. do they got? More about rules, technicalities for women, because conjugal love is mostly saying what's okay and not for men. True. Yeah. Divine time and perception. Cool. And a book on the collective field. Interesting. Nice. Did I steal some of your... Did I read No, no. Okay. I think you, you, okay. you go. Swedenborg for idiots. I'd buy it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, it, Swedenborg <laughs> is great at making me feel like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. What are you talking about? But that is a great idea. You know, I like to have, have yeah. the simplified version kind of thing. Yeah. About what prophets he met and talked with. I know he talked to a lot of angels. Mm. All about the nature of gender, things like the idea that God is both and neither gender. Yeah, that would be sweet. Break that out. On Paul, the epistles and the concept of grace and whether Pauline Christianity is correct. Yeah, dig into the epistles a little more. That's right. How our physical world truly began. So perfect yet so fragile. Why? Yeah, that's right. And if it's not the creation story that you get in Genesis, yes. what is it? What is like, it? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. luckily right. he didn't try to dip his toe into it too much back then, because would he have been totally wrong? Who knows? That's right. Um, okay, that's awesome. So, mm. hopefully, we discover some lost manuscripts. It could happen. That are out there with all that stuff in it, you know. But in the meantime, check out Spiritual Experiences, because it may well be that some of the stuff you're looking for is in there. Thanks so much for t joining us on this journey through all these books. If you want more, we got news from heaven coming out every single Thursday and Saturday. This is where we go deep mm. into a particular passage of Swedenborg. We draw on it, we think through it, and we figure out what it means for our day-to-day. -day, we you know? technically meaning Curtis by himself. The royal you know. Curtis. Uh, yeah. So if you're enjoying <laughs> this show or any of our shows, don't forget, like and subscribe. That is what helps us really oh, you know, reach more people. That's really what this is for, is reaching more people. If you're subscribed, click the bell, because this will help us reach you. You'll know, you'll get a new notification. That's right. And we got a new way that you can support us. We're a nonprofit, and we need financial support to keep doing this stuff. Here's a new, easy, fun way for you to be a part of that. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on Swedenborg.com, and we share all the content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up, though, is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. You can go to otle.causevox.com and follow the prompts to give a one-time or recurring donation. We'd be honored to have you become part of our growing community of supporters who help these ideas reach and nourish thousands of people every week around the globe. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins. And thank you, we mean it, for all the support everyone's been giving us. It's made this whole thing possible. Hey, next Monday, we are going to show our appreciation for everybody by doing a panel show where we do nothing but take questions That's from right. you the whole time. Really get to hear what's on your mind and, and give our best thoughts on it. And then, announcement, the Monday after that, our spring season of Swedenborgian life begins. We're at the end of this book tour, so now we're going to be deep diving into four episodes with all kinds of graphics and looks at can you change your life story mm. how does what swedenborg teaches us teach us teaches us about the nature of reality 
change the way we see our own life story, change the way that we understand the trajectory of events, and also how is our story connected to things in the spiritual world? How is the Lord's Prayer working into mm. our story? All kinds of amazing stuff. What, how do they keep stories in the afterlife? All of that and more covered. We're very excited about our spring season. It's a new feature we have now, these sort of seasons popping up. That's right, to have four shows on a theme and the team has been working hard on these for months while yeah. you and I have been talking about Swedenborg's books yeah. and getting ready. So I'm very excited to see this uh, new season. So we hope you'll join us next Monday for the panel and then every Thursday and Saturday for News from Heaven and every day in between for short clips. It's going to be fun. Hope you have a great week. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karen Childs and Chelsea Odner.